We've combined the studio audience votes with the judges' scores, and we are about to find out who will be taking home the Strictly Christmas trophy. I can now reveal that the 2019 Strictly Come Dancing Christmas champions are... It's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life. You know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and, uh, you know, how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Yes, it's me again. Now, I suppose there aren't that many people that can say or boast that they've had two Strictly Come Dancing partners, but I am one of those people. And a few episodes ago, I interviewed my Strictly Come Dancing partner from the series from 2017, Giovanni Panice. And this episode, I'm interviewing my partner from the Christmas special of 2019, the champ, Kevin Clifton. And of course we won. So there's lots to talk about, finding out what he's doing in lockdown, but also much, much more tea to spill. So I hope you're going to enjoy it. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. So how happy am I for my guest this time on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee is my Christmas winning Strictly partner, Kevin Clifton. So hi, Kev. Hi, yeah. How are you doing, so, Christmas, Kev? Yeah. So, champ, last time I saw you was at your opening night of The Wedding Singer, mm. where you were singing, acting, serious acting, and, <laughs> of course, doing a bit of dancing, but it was mostly singing and dancing. And who would have thought here we would be locked down after that? Oh, I know. I know. It's terrible, and isn't it? We both had exciting years planned, but yours, I mean, I haven't spoken to you since you announced that you were leaving Strictly because actually I didn't hear about it because I was away sailing in the Caribbean. Right. <laughs> As one oh, does, nice. you know. But let's, um, let's, before we talk about all of that, let's go back to, you know, Kev the kid. <laughs> the kid on the in Grimsby, mum and dad are dancers, so obviously you were going to follow on. You started doing competitions. Yes. But someone who's um, got children who may be dancing now, what's it really like that being through that, you know, young period of your life, always competing? Were you very competitive? As a kid, I was very competitive, yeah. Like, for me with dancing, I, I feel like I was sort of born into it because of my mum and dad. I was just sort of around it all the time. So I didn't have that experience of, like, I'd seen it somewhere and decided that's what I was going to do um, mm. and sort of set out on this new adventure. It was just something that was always around me. So it felt very normal. 
Um, mm. And it was always sort of part of my routine. You know, I'd uh, get, get up and have breakfast, go to school, come back, go to dance class. Yeah. Um, so that, that was all very normal. Um, I suppose like when, when I'm in school, I did, um, I certainly missed out on things like football. Like, like when, when my mates were all going to like football practice in the evenings or like I had a game coming up at the weekend as part of like a local team. There was things like that that I always like wanted to do, but I just couldn't commit to any of it. Mm. One, because of, of time and I was always going to competitions and having dance lessons and stuff. Um, and also there was this massive worry that I was going to get injured all the time. <laughs> so I sort of wasn't allowed to do anything. It was just like wrapping me up in cotton wool. Um, so yeah, but then I was, I, I did enjoy it. Like I, mm. I, I loved doing it and we, I was dancing sort of every night of the week and going to competitions at the weekend. And I suppose, um, I, I've sort of very different opinions on it now as, uh, as an adult, but like as a kid at the time, it, I, I feel like it gave me a bit of a focus, I suppose. Um, you know, every, mm. I really, really wanted to sort of win every competition that I was, that I was going to enter and yeah I, I wanted to become British champion and world champion and that was my sort of path that I wanted to follow and that was the thing that was just making me zone in and, mm. and focus I guess. and did you have any sort of Billy Elliot experiences at school from the lads you know that you were dancing well a little bit not I can't say I was sort of ruthlessly bullied but um you have to remember like I, the kid I was in school I was coming in um, with so I'd done a competition on the weekend and I would have had fake tan on so I'd, I'd have like an orange neck <laughs> an orange neck and a white face um, <laughs> and everyone knew that I was a ballroom dancer and then imagine like you know you're sort of 14 you know <laughs> a 14 year old boy when you just the only thing that matters is being cool and being part of a gang and hopefully people fancying you or something like that. But I'm coming in with an orange neck. I'm a ballroom dancer, one of the smallest guys in the year. And I dance with my sister who's in the year below us. And she's at that age where like girls are growing a bit quicker than boys. So she's gone a little bit taller than me. So I've now got a stand up on my head perm to make me look a bit taller. Like it was never going to be like the easiest ride. <laughs> Do you think that's helped you now? Because, you know, the profession you've chosen is competitive and quite tough. So do you think it's made you a bit more thick skinned of what people say to you and stuff like that? Um, I don't know. Cause I don't think I am particularly thick skinned. I think I'm quite thin skinned. I think I'm quite sensitive actually. Mm. Um, but what I, what I did do when, um, when I was in school is I, I very quickly learned the art of um, being the first one to take the mick out of myself before anyone else could. Like just self-deprecation de self became yeah. my, my, my shield mm. against everything. Because I felt that if I turned up for school just looking like this, there was no hiding it. Like I, I started when we could wear what we wanted in, in the sixth form. I started wearing polo necks all the time. So like that. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but they knew it was too yeah. late. Like, um, but I would often come into school and make sure that as soon as I saw everyone, the first thing that I said would be, Oh, look at the state of me. Here he is, dancer boy, you know, coming in with a joint. I had to fire all the bullets on myself before and, and take away their ammunition. Um, mm. Otherwise, I think it, I, th I would have really 
struggle. Yeah. And then, yeah, you would think that I would, because of all that, I would be quite thick skinned now, but actually, I, I don't know if I, I think I'm more thin skinned now than, than I was then. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, with this upbringing, all the competitions, but you had a training, did you, of singing and things, which is why you've been able to turn your hand to everything? Um, when I was a kid, I wasn't really training in, in acting and singing. I, I was involved in a couple of sort of local youth amateur theatre bits and bobs, mm. um, a couple of little groups, um, but not to any sort of um, great level. But I always had a, a love for it. I, I always had a love for for theatre and, and, and musical theatre. Mm. Um, and I think my parents are really into it as well. So like we'd often be traveling, um, you know, quite a long way to dance lessons. We'd be going, obviously we're from Grimsby and we'd be going down to London all the time. So dad would be driving us down to London or we'd go and have dance lessons in Liverpool and things like that. So we were often on long car journeys. And on those journeys, the music that like my dad would often play in the car, he'd have like his tapes would often be like musical theatre stuff. Mm. Um, you know, so the type of, you know, Michael Ball sort of albums and things like that, <laughs> or, um, you know, Shirley Bassey and people singing songs. Well, that kind of, that style of music yeah. and musical theatre stuff. Um, um, I used to listen to a lot of that. So I, I felt like we sort of knew all the songs. And me and my sister would be in the back of the car sort of singing along. And then we'd go and see shows here and there when, when we were a kid and we were so sort of, we felt this whole world was sort of magical. And, and I always had my eye on it. I, I always thought it's something that I'd really love to do. Hmm. And I, I ended up um, auditioning in 2010, I think it was, for Dirty Dancing um, in the West End. And I ended up getting in. I was sort of um, ensemble dancer. You hmm. know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a lead role or anything. Um, but I really loved it. And I always thought this is something that I'd really love to continue so from that point I really started taking sort of acting and singing lessons seriously just privately mm. um and yeah I, I was thought I'm, I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this but then would chicken out and and I think it's only in the last few years I've sort of had the confidence to go all right I'm gonna give it a go and get out and audition for things <laughs> and you um will will come off the career bit for a second mm. because mm. The one thing I didn't know about you till we worked closely together at Christmas was what a big fan of football you are. So yeah. I can't imagine during lockdown how you have coped without uh, football. <laughs> I'm really, really missing it. I've got to the stage where like the first little bits of football that are, that are coming back now is like the German Bundesliga. <laughs> that, that, some clips that I'm finding myself sitting watching sort of German League Two games, the teams that I've never heard of, but there's just, and there's no crowd, but just something, just to be watching some sport, like just to be watching footy, yeah. I can't wait till it returns. And <laughs> I was listening to one of your podcasts um, where you were chatting to Stacey, and she gave yeah. away that you actually love pro wrestling, which was something I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Pro where wrestling. Where did that like come that? from? <laughs> Like the WWE and and you know it, it doesn't matter the companies pro wrestling is is um is a, I think it's my number one love in life even bigger than dancing musical theatre football like I I just I discovered it as a kid like my mate Thomas when I was a kid had some video of of like WrestleMania and it was like Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior and I was just like what is this and like obviously at first I sort of thought it was you know, I thought it was real and they were really fighting and I couldn't believe it and everything that was going on. And then it, it gets to that stage where, 
you know, you sort of figure out that, oh, this, it's all choreography and it's staged and it's, it's a soap opera, it's not real fighting. And at that point, you either dismiss it or you become a serious hardcore fan of it. And I just became a serious hardcore fan. And um, for me, and, I'm, and people think I'm crazy, but like, for me, it's a real art form. Like I love it as a form of entertainment. And, and I've taken a lot of inspiration from it into my dancing. I see Strictly as quite a similar show. Like mm. it's sort of over, over the top camp show. And two people will go out onto the dance floor or two wrestlers will come into the ring to a theme tune, you know, and play <laughs> out, you know, like do, do a, a dance that's choreographed or a wrestling match. And then, you have, then they, the judges are there making comments on it. They're like the commentators. Mm. And, you know, that a narrative starts to happen, whether it's going well for this couple or not, you know, they're on a good week or a bad week. That's like the storyline running through it. And you've got these sort of larger than life performers and performances. And then at the end of it, someone wins the glitter ball or like someone wins the title belt. Like I see them as sort of quite similar shows. And um, I'd like not to get too over that, but you started me on wrestling now. <laughs> and sometimes when I talk about wrestling, I can't stop. But <laughs> what I love about it, wrestling, is like it's all the art of selling. So like when someone throws a punch in the ring, the other wrestler, it's their job to make that look as though it was a devastating punch. Mm. Like so they're selling the other person. And I took a lot of inspiration from that into Strictly or into musicals or, or whatever. Like if, if, if you can do your job, like do, do your own performance, but also do your job to sell the other person that you're working yeah. with then the whole performance gets elevated. And I know I read far too much into wrestling, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> to be honest, and I have watched it, uh, yeah. because my godson was really into it when he was younger. Um, but I will say that I can understand why you've linked the two together. And I can understand now why, because I did laugh when I heard it on your podcast, <laughs> why you like it, because it is a choreography. Mm. And now linking that and selling the other person just totally makes sense to me. I mean, yeah. I don't know whether it will make me watch it, Kev, but <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can understand. Um, That's exactly what Stacey says. She says, <laughs> like, I keep trying to convert her into being a wrestling fan. She watches bits with me and she's like, no, no, I get it, Kev. I get, every, I get what you're saying, but it, it's, it's perhaps just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> And well, talking about the lovely uh, Stacy, what did she nickname me at Christmas? Uh, Polly Pocket, wasn't it, or something? <laughs> something, yeah. Polly Pocket. She liked Polly Pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, caref be careful with me. Um, of course, for me, it's it's lovely because having met her as well, um, it's I really like the connection between the both of you. But of course, her job is very serious and I've watched some of her documentaries Kev and you know I you must get quite scared when she's going away on some of these because she goes into quite serious mm. and, and dangerous scenarios doesn't she yeah yeah I, I don't know how she does it like she, she's very brave well she would say she's not brave like she, she says she's a, a bit of a wimp and she does get very scared in these places but I, I think she's very brave but like for me, sat at home, I mean, last year she was, uh, at one point, she was in, in Syria, um, in sort of uh, uh, an ISIS camp where there was yeah. like I ISIS brides were sort of being held in this, this whole conversation about they don't know 
what's going to happen to them next or where they should be or you know whether they should be allowed to their home countries or not and, and things like yeah. that i saw and that one actually right right and, and um she, she had very limited sort of time when she could actually speak to me when she had was in the right places to have internet and whatever and she, and she would tell me you know tomorrow we're going into a camp that's sort of considered one of the most dangerous ones in, in the country and mm. we're going to have some conversations with some people in there and that to me is just I mean I don't do what she does I mean I'm, I'm a boring dancer <laughs> but um, <laughs> it just sounded like you know such a dangerous position mm. to be in and all I can say to her is like just please be careful please be careful like it's don't don't go too far just to get some conversation that you want or some shot or, or something because it's not worth it you know just come back to me in one piece and yeah um yeah I I, I do get very nervous when she's in some of these situations but uh, yeah she's very brave and she, but she loves it she's just very interested in mm. in everything and, and wants to go and explore it all and, and she says like you know I, I, I can't just chicken out of it like this is this is what I do for a living and this is my job and I want to have these conversations and, yeah, so yeah. I know I've become a big fan. Tell her, I I, I think she's oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, so going back to you, and I know that you and Stacey have been locked down together because I did laugh at your podcast where you were talking about. Well, she mostly was talking about what you were watching on TV and what she liked yeah. better than you was hysterical. So anybody, <laughs> you know, look for Kev's podcast because they're very interesting, but there are some funny bits as well. Um, <laughs> so you were saying, you know, that your your first thing in the West End was Dirty Dancing um, mm. and then you did other things and you did Rock of Ages didn't you yeah um where that was your goth period <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that was going back to my uh sort of goth period yeah I, I had my, my actual goth period was yeah sometime before that like in Rock of Ages I just got to go back to it sort of without anyone worrying about me <laughs> <laughs> when so when you auditioned for strictly because the first year you auditioned you didn't get it did you was that no. the sort of image you had when you auditioned for strictly yeah so i had long black hair uh, down to my shoulders black eye makeup and and uh, black fingernails and and you know i used to wear sort of things like that. i used to go around wearing a cape and a top hat and, and a cane <laughs> <laughs> And, and big silver rings with skulls on and, and, and things like that. Because mm. even like just to go to the supermarket, like, I'd, be, I'd be dressed like that because I thought it made me interesting in some way. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have these phases. But yeah, so I, I went through a very gothic phase. And when I first, uh, I was in America when I had the first conversation with Strictly Producers. Uh, I was on tour with Burn the Floor. And um, it was like a Skype meeting. And I met them and I was talking about how you know, most people see burn, see ballroom dancing as an old-fashioned thing. I see it as a very cool rock and roll thing. And I was there with all my eye makeup. <laughs> I think in my head, I, I was like, yeah, they're going to think I'm, I'm the guy to, like, you know, change everything up and, and, you know, light a fire under Strictly Come Dancing. And, of course, Strictly Come Dancing didn't need a fire lighting under it. It was already <laughs> a really successful thing that did not need this emo kid with his eye makeup on the show. So I think they made quite a wise decision not, not to have me at that point. <laughs> so how did you eventually get on the show? Well, I, I heard that um, through so someone I knew that work, worked on the show that, you know, their, their sort of initial thing was like, 
the image wasn't quite right, <laughs> rightly so. Um, so I just decided, right, I'm going to audition again. I'm going to get in touch again next year, but I'm going to change my image. And I just, you know, cut my hair and um, took the eye makeup off and, and ditched the, the hat and the cane and the cape and, and wore something completely normal, like a shirt. Mm. <laughs> um, and I went into audition. Um, they were holding, I was in London at the time and they were holding auditions and there was a few of us all went in on the same day. So it was me, Aliash, Jeanette, we all sort of went in and, and we do a session where we're teaching someone a bit of waltz and a bit of cha-cha and then we have to talk to a camera about, and it was as if it was like a normal training session um, on Strictly, you know, sort of mm. during the week. And because um, they have to see, I guess, if you, one, if you can dance, one, that you can, two, that you can teach, three, that you a good sort of talking to another person and delivering it and, and then talking to a camera and interacting with them, sort of all of the ingredients. Um, and I thought the audition had gone really well, but then I got rejected again. Um, oh. Yeah, I got a phone call and we all got our phone calls on the same day. We were all working together at Burn the Floor at the time um, with Ali Ash and Jeanette and they both got a yes from Strictly and I got a no. And we all had to come into work and they were being sort of not wanting to talk about it too much because they didn't want to upset me. And, and um, it was all very awkward. Um, and then it was literally a few days before the series of Strictly started. Um, I had been told that it was a no, but potentially another place might open up because they were maybe going to go to 15 celebs that year instead of 14. Mm. And if that happened, it depended on whether it was a male or female celebrity and they had a short list of people and I was on the short list. And I just thought, there's no way this is gonna happen. It's the second time I've been rejected. There's other people they're looking at. Um, and about three days before the series started, like rehearsals for the, the pros, um, I got a call and said, yeah, we, we've, we've hired an extra celeb. It's a female celeb. Um, do you want the job? <laughs> I said, that'd be, that'd be amazing. They said, right, you, you start on Monday. Um, so it was as close as that, like literally sneaked in. And from what I've heard, little stories that I'm piecing together from people, there was a sort of a big debate. It was 50-50 and, and sort of 50% thought, no, he's not right for the show. And 50% would go, no, I think, I think there's something that could work. And um, I think they asked Jason Gilkison, who obviously works on the show now and, um, and is um, was my like director for a time on Burn the Floor. He'd worked with me a bit before. And I think he sort of said, yeah, yeah give him a chance. You know, he'll do his best. And uh, they offered me the job. And, uh, <laughs> and from then on, it was like, just fight to keep my job all the time. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you made such a name, you know, on Strictly. And, um, you know, having worked with you, I know why everybody loves you. Um, oh, and you worked with some lovely celebs. You know, your first year, it was Frankie Bridge, wasn't it? Uh, Susanna Reid was my first year. Wish it was Susanna your first year. Yeah, yeah, 2013. I mean, that was a wonderful, all the years were, but that was a wonderful year, wasn't it? Um, but what was it like for you as a pro to be working with a celeb? You know, were you a bit scared if she might be a diva or, you know, how you should treat her? Yeah, I guess a little bit, yeah. Because you, you hear sort of horror stories here and there, like you, you of celebs you know, being divas and, and, you know, being a bit over the top and, oh, what's it going to be like? Well, I, I, but people have a lot of preconceptions about people, don't they, when they don't know them and they say, oh, you know, I bet she's a bit like this or I bet he's a bit like that. And so I guess I was a little bit nervous, um, but I actually haven't found 
my people to be like that not in my experience really on 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 the show and and Susanna when when I first started dancing with her she she was lovely and and um I I always say I'm really grateful for that first series with Susanna because she sort of taught me a lot of, of in terms of being on television um because I didn't know what I was doing I got the job at the last minute and I was some kid that five minutes ago thought the best idea was to wear lots of black eye makeup and a top hat uh, and suddenly I'm on TV and, you know, the press are asking you questions and you're just saying things. And Susanna would sort of say, right, this is the way it works. <laughs> that the press are going to do that sort of thing because they want this. And, and, you know, just talk about what you want to talk about. You don't have to answer every question to give them what they want. Just, you know, talk about, get onto what you want to talk about. And then also, um, I thought it was just... I'm going to teach this person how to dance and then we're going to perform it at the weekend. And that's all there is to it. Um, and um, there's a lot more to it than that. As you know, you know, it's a whole experience strictly. It's not just having some dance lessons and then performing it. And um, so she sort of sat me down a few weeks in cause I would, you know, teach her the dances in, in the training room. Then we'd get to Elstree studios and um, I'd be off, you know, chatting with Ali Ash or, you know, whatever, just having fun and, and sort of doing what I want. Yeah, we'll perform the dance Saturday night. It'll be fine. And she sort of sat me down and said, yeah, just there's a few times where I might be a bit nervous of doing this or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I might just, is it OK if you can just be around a little bit more? Just if I need to, like, go over the routine again or like, because I feel like, I don't see you for most of the time at Elstree. Like you're just somewhere else. I can't even find you. And, and it seems so silly now. Like it seems so obvious now. But like at the time on my first year, I was like, oh, right. Okay. So actually it's, it's not just about me telling you some steps and you go and do it. It's not as simple as that. Um, you know, you need a lot more support than that or, you know, and go over the routine a bit more. And um, so I, I'm very grateful for that because then from that point on, it was only a few weeks into season one. Um, mm. I feel like from that point, I've been very conscious of, okay, what does my celebrity partner need from me? And everyone's different. Some people mm. need to go over the routine just constantly. Um, so some people need you there sort of all the time, just emotionally, mentally, yeah. to be a bit of support for them. Um, it was interesting, like when I worked with you, um, you had your process of like, uh, you wanted to know all of the information from me. It's like you wanted everything that, that I could tell you about the steps, the technique of the steps, the order, and you would write it all down in your notebook um, so you could sort of revise it. And then you would need, say, 20 minutes, half an hour on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kept saying to me, just go and, go and have a coffee. But I'd never experienced that before. I was like, right, you need me like 24 7. You're like, no, I, I need half an hour just I need to process these notes and have a little practice and then come back and that was like everyone's different for their process but I think if Susanna hadn't have had that little chat with me I might not have realized that as soon as I yeah. did um, to take care of you know the most important thing is what does this person need uh, from me I think that's wonderful and I think it really shows Kevin and I think it shows that a lot of the others on the program have learned that as well you know mm. and um so you you were on it for seven years so now yeah. you must feel a little bit like your right arm's gone um because all your mates <laughs> and you know that routine of what were you, you know was guaranteed and 
Mm. This year, you know, you had so much planned and all these big stage things that you were going to do. So tell us what's happened, because you had two big shows lined up, didn't you? You were already rehearsing yeah. Burn the Floor with your sister, which would mm. be amazing. What's happened? Yeah. So, yeah, it was the first time that me and Joe were going to do a proper sh like, show together and tour together. Mm. Um, and we talked about doing it for so long. And then our schedules sort of came together for the, at the right time. And we said, yeah, let's do it. And we were doing Burn the Floor, which is a show that's sort of very close to my heart. And um, we were in the middle of rehearsals when lockdown started um, and everything just had to stop. And, and we had to pack up and go home and wait to hear and um and obviously we're still here and um we were supposed to have finished touring i think a couple of weeks ago we, we, we were supposed to have been done two months of touring um and obviously we never got to do it and with the other thing so strictly ballroom the musical um it's a, it's something that like i've been for obvious reasons i've been a massive fan of the film strictly ballroom since i think i must have seen it when i was about 10 years old something like that I watched it and I was so inspired by, you know, it was a story about a, a boy who grew up with dancing parents sort of in a, in a dance school and, and was competing to try and become this champion, but had other ideas about the creative ways in which he want, wanted to dance. And so I was, you know, I was so inspired by him and, and, and I used to watch the film all the time. And I remember as a kid saying, one day they're going to make a show out of that. There's going to be like Strictly Ballroom, the musical, and I'm going to play him. And so when I first heard that it was going to be a musical, I was like, this is my dream. This is my dream in life. This has to happen. And when it came to the West End, I went to the auditions, um, didn't get it. And I was devastated. Um, but then I heard that it was coming back around. Um, and that Craig Revell Horwood was going to be involved directing it. And, and I thought, oh, this is, can this happen? Can this happen? And um, Craig wanted to see audition tapes from me to sort of see, hear me singing. And he wanted to know that I could do an Australian accent and that I could act and all of that. So I had to send him my uh, audition tape. Um, while, while I was doing The Wedding Singer, I filmed my, uh, audition tapes for him in my dressing room with Rhiannon, who was a girl that was in The uh, Wedding Singer with me. And... Um, and then I got offered the job and, and I'd sort of come to a place where I was wondering when is the right time for me to leave Strictly? Because I always thought I, I'd much rather leave on my own terms than get to the mm. point where they just didn't want me anymore. Um, and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 37 now and I know Anton's older than me, but Anton's Anton. He's a whole different, you know, <laughs> whole different thing. Um, he when he was older than you, I think. So, you know, that kind of balance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and also I'd, I'd done sort of seven years on the show. And when, when uh, me and you won at Christmas, that completed the set for me in terms yeah. of like whittables you can win. It was the only one that I hadn't won at, at the time. <laughs> and um, so I got to this position where I was thinking, you know, maybe that would be a really nice end to my strictly experience um winning winning christmas with debbie um you know do i go out on a high do i do a few more years i don't know what to do and i was it wasn't definite in my mind i, I was umming and ahhing over it um and then i got offered the job of strictly ballroom the, the lead in strictly ballroom as a tour and it was due to start in september so that kind of made my mind up for me i said you know if, if i have been 
50-50 on it. Um, you know, I, I, I can't pass up on this opportunity. Mm. It's my lifelong dream. I have to do it. And, and I was in a constant dialogue with the Strictly producers as well at the time. And they understood that and they knew sort of what I was thinking and knew I'd been thinking about it for a while. And when I told them I'd got Strictly Born, they knew that it was my dream. Yeah. Um, so I made this big announcement and um, that, I, that I was leaving Strictly going off to do Strictly Ballroom. Now coronavirus has hit. Now what's <laughs> happened is <laughs> Strictly Vaughan, we're supposed to open in September. Um, and, you know, we're hearing different things daily about when yeah. theatres can open, you know, how, how long it's going to be before theatres back up on its feet again. And they said, because they haven't cast the show yet, they'd have to go through a whole casting process mm. and rehearsal process. So even if theatres were to if you know best case scenario open up in september um they still wouldn't there's still a question of the rehearsals and the casting before that so because we haven't opened yet because we haven't sort of started yet it's a lot safer rather than panic about the whole thing we're going to pick it up and drop it a year later mm. so we're now set to open in september 2021 um so then burn the floor said okay well We've still got, you know, if there's 1% chance that we can go ahead, we want to do this. So now Burn the Floor has gone. If the theatres can open up later this year, then we'll take that spot. So right now I'm looking at crossing my fingers about Burn the Floor for later this year. Um, and Strictly Ballroom, September 21. And I'll be watching Strictly as a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kev, you know, whatever happens, I know you'll do well. And, you know, you are sitting there, you know, you won with Stacey. You've got your glitter ball. You've got your little glitter Christmas star. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Needed reminding. I've got mine right beside me here. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, well, I was, I will, I have the reputation now of being the last person to dance with Kevin Clifton on Strictly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> Stand it over the edge. <laughs> so bad working with me. I mean, God, you're no, no, you were so lovely. <laughs> we had a no, you were lovely to work with. Oh yeah, we had a blast. Thanks so much for talking to me. Send my love to Stacey and to your mum and dad and Joanne, your sister. Oh, and, will be, yeah, yeah. and I know we'll keep in touch, but you know, I really wish you well. And uh, I can't wait for the, your shows to open so I can come and see you because you were absolutely yeah. brilliant in The Wedding Singer. I oh, just was so impressed. So oh, wish you well you. and sending you loads of love. Yeah, and you. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, you'll have to come on my podcast at some yeah, point. Absolutely. Nice one. That was lovely. Yeah, thanks, Kev. That was really, really lovely. Brilliant. I mean, you're so amazing. But um, I know it's it's so weird. I'm in the same situation as you. I, I yeah. just can't see it. I just can't see it happening. Yeah, um, I looked. On, I was. I looked on the websites this afternoon and saw that right. they have got view tickets. You know that you can book. Mm. And um, for uh, Strictly Ballroom as well. So, right. you know, in that respect, fingers crossed for you. But I think, you know, they'll try to do them both at some point, won't they? So mm -hmm. it's just waiting. What about yeah. Strictly as well? Has Stacey's work all gone or how, how's she? Well, 
initially some of the stuff that she was supposed to be doing at the moment sort of got put back um yeah. but she has been working a bit um so she she filmed um one called lockdown heroes which was on which she's basically filmed like in here from yeah. from home um and was speaking to people over zoom and stuff um and right now this week she's in bradford um doing a documentary about um a what's it, a maternity ward in in Bradford and all the struggles there and all the restrictions because their partners can't be with them and you know all these restrictions and complications of giving birth in the middle of coronavirus um yeah and and what the doctors have to go through with all yeah. the you know checks and PPE and all of that and, and so yeah so she's allowed to do that now so she's in Bradford for this week I think she comes back Sunday or something mm. um so she's doing bits um, and I'm getting really jealous of her now that she gets to go yeah. and work. First, like the first, even the first couple of months, I was like, obviously I would love to do the show, but it's nice having this little break and, yeah. you know, we're getting to spend time together and I'm just, I'm sort of, there's nothing I can do. So it's an excuse for me to sit and play on my PlayStation and do yeah. stuff <laughs> like that, you know. Um, but, and, you know, and just watch Netflix and whatever. But, um, now I'm I'm starting to feel really like oh, I just wish I could go back to work yeah, and just I think I'm just performing something like just yeah. being a cast like do stuff yeah yeah I think everybody's feeling the same yeah at first everyone's going to be so rusty as well aren't they <laughs> when we go yeah. back everyone's just going to be so yeah. rusty <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but I'm conscious of like because I just also for those first couple of months uh, you know everyone was like oh yeah well this is how you work out during lockdown and i've just done none of it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i think um th this is like the least fit i've ever been right now <laughs> i'm conscious of like i hope burn the floor goes ahead but if it does i'm seriously gonna have to get in shape beforehand yeah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> oh. i decided to go for a run like last week i was like i can't justify not doing anything anymore so I'm going to go for a run and, you know, you see everyone on Instagram doing this and that running and, and oh, you know, they post their like running yeah. details on Instagram. <laughs> I did these many miles in an hour and, you know, whatever. Honestly, I was 15 minutes in, I was gasping for air. <laughs> uh, this is really bad. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one then. Just going to have a little stop. <laughs> Oh, listen, it's great to talk to you. Take loads of care, won't you? And thanks again. Yeah, thanks a million. You. No, thanks for having me on. Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to. I'm loving chatting to my showbiz mates on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Kevin and you're finding out things about some of these people that you didn't know. And it's fascinating to hear what everybody's doing in lockdown, isn't it? Well, next week I'll be talking to Elu Elu, Vicky Michelle, and she was the gorgeous waitress, Yvette. So I shall say this only once and uh, you'll find out a lot about Vicky she's got loads of tales to tell and she tells them really well so um, I've already recorded it so I know what you're going to get to hear um, things that I've enjoyed watching in lockdown and this last coming week I saw a couple of things on BBC breakfast news one was a school from Telford where the music teacher had got these students together to all record I'm Still Standing by Elton John and 
somehow had the gumption to send it to Elton, who got it, who then sent a video thanking them and thought that they did it really well. And also an actress who's now working in a supermarket for the time of lockdown uh, called Meggie Foster. So look out for her on TikTok. She does lip syncs with politicians very pretty girl and very talented and it was really funny and she did a great one of Charlie and Naga from BBC Breakfast that she just put together overnight when she heard she was going to do the interview. Um, so yes, two things I can recommend have a look for on the internet. But anyway, I hope you all have a good week and um, as I said, Vicky Michelle will be next week's uh, victim on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to.